Blog Talk Radio. Circumstances can't stop me And neither will they block me Today I feel unmovable Nothing's impossible To walk on water To calm the sea To speak to mountains I can be free just Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. I hope that you are all having a wonderful day out there doing what you do in this holiday season. I hope you all had a wonderful and restful Thanksgiving and you were able to eat well and enjoy time and relaxation with family and friends. But as you know, it is time for us to have a do-over Thursday, just like every day of the week is a do-over You know, we get to wake up in the morning, and if we did not get it right the day before or the minute before, we have the ability to get it right now. And it's so awesome that God, in his ultimate wisdom, allowed us to have Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, that when we mess up, when we don't get it right, when we just completely blow it, that we have the ability to have a do-over. We have an ability to go before the Lord and ask for forgiveness. And guess what? He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know, it's kind of like when we confess um, that sin, he cleanses us from that which took us down there in that first place. So every time we get more and more clean, I guess you can say, um, when we make those mess ups, because we get more and more like Christ, because we recognize it. And when we have the humility to submit and say, okay, and confess that sin that we did wrong, you know, God is showing us an element of ourselves, and he's able to cleanse us, you know, and then the next time we do it, we clean. Now, please understand, this is not for those that use grace or forgiveness as a license to sin, as though it's their get-out-of-jail-free card. No, no, no. I'm talking about those who have a sincere heart to please God, a sincere heart to really want to get it right, and they are taking steps. They are working their faith, which is what we're going to be talking about today as we get into our lesson. Um, You know, I, I want to just say that we always have a word of prayer, but I want you guys to really think about also um, going into 2016 and what you want it to look like. You know, this show is called The Process 319, and the, the reason for that is because life is a process. Situations that we go through are a process. 
And those processes can be devastating and they can be damaging to to our hearts because we get hurt by people. We hurt people and, you know, we really don't do things to keep God first in our lives. There's so many things that we do sometimes in the course of a year. But, you know, if we allow it, we go through the process. And the 319 comes from Habakkuk 319, which talks about the joy and the strength of God in our life and what it does for us. Think about that, that just the love of God keeps you going. And know it keeps me going, knowing that God loves me in spite of myself. So as we begin to, you know, spend time with family and friends during this holiday season and mostly prepare to go into another year, 2016 is really going to be a big year. It's an election year. It's a year that we can see by the news that so many things are happening that the Bible talks about in the last days. I mean, you don't have to believe it. People have been talking about the last days, the last days, Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming for decades, for, for centuries, and Jesus hasn't come yet. But that doesn't mean that what they're saying isn't true. It doesn't mean that the waiting and the anticipating for Christ's return is not true. It just means we're waiting. It just means that as we get closer and closer, we can still see the signs. The word of God tells us this is not for us to fear but it is for us to prepare. We want to make sure that we are like the wise versions and not the foolish versions. Um, virgins. It's kind of like mama telling you to clean your room and um, clean your room. If you don't, you're not going to be able to go somewhere. And you keep thinking, well, mama will let me go. Mama, let me go. Or I can do it later. She hasn't said anything yet. Oh, nothing's come up. But she kept saying, clean your room, clean your room. But you never did. You can't get mad at mother when you do not reap the benefit of what she was going to do for you when you didn't obey her when she said, clean the room. You know, just because we haven't seen Christ return yet does not mean that he's not going to return, does not mean that we're being foolish and and believing some papakaki mumbo-jumbo. No, no, no. It just means it hasn't happened yet. Our faith is in the trust of the Word of God. So while we're waiting, joyfully praising, worshiping, thanking God, rejoicing, not living in fear, having the grace to get what? If we didn't make it, you know, to get in on Monday, hey, we have another day to work on that thing and to work our faith. Um, so I want to encourage you in that. And then to really begin to prepare what you want your 2016 to look like. You know, as we're studying this book of faith and uh, trials and how to practically live our life, what do you want yours to look like? We were admonished by our pastor uh, about a week and a half ago, um, almost two weeks ago, to write down what we can put in our mouths and believe for for the next 12 months, you know, that we can speak on and believe on and, and, and keep it in our mouth. What is that thing that we can do and so or, or and believe for? And it's the four areas of our lives, spiritually, men, spiritually, mentally, physically, and financially, you know. So I say that to you. What can you believe for? As we're working through the book of James on faith and knowing how to work our faith, um, what can you stand on God's word for? 
and put God's word in your mouth to cover those areas in which you're praying to God for. It could be your marriage. It could be your So I want to encourage you with that. So let's go ahead and go and begin with a word of prayer and really ask God to just be the honored guest and to speak through me. Let it nothing. I don't want to say anything to you to this point. I want whatever needs to be said to be an encouraging word from the power of the Holy Spirit, because I'm just a person. I have nothing to give you but the word of God. And the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, cutting down to the very marrow. And we know that marrow is life. So let's pray that God will come in and minister to your 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 emotions, your intellect, your mind, your will. And they'll also minister to your spirit, man, which will also cause your body to want to change because you're going to want to do things that will honor the temple of the Holy Spirit that he rests in your life. Heavenly Father, we just thank you this morning for who you are and what you do. We thank you that though we cannot see you, we know that you're there. We thank you that we can see you in, in actions. We can sense you in spirit because we are a spirit and you speak to our spirit. You speak to that part that of who we really, really are. We thank you, God, that we can come before you, we can come boldly before your throne, knowing that you hear us, knowing that if we're praying according to your will, knowing that we love you and that most of all, you loved us. Father God, we know that we can come boldly before you, believing and thanking you all that you've done and all that you're going to do. God, we come to you this morning and we say, what can we do for you? What can we do for you this morning? You know, you don't need us to do anything for you, but God, what can we do to bring you glory? What can we do to put a smile on your face? What can we do to be a sweet-smelling aroma to you this morning, Father God? You bless us every day so richly. You allow the sun and the wind and the moon to shine on the just and the unjust. You love us when we are so unlovable. You love us in the midst of our rebellion. You love us in the midst of our hurt. Father God, you just love us. Father God, how can we learn to walk in you, learn to walk in your love, bask in your presence, Father God? We just adore you because there's no one like you. Father God, for those who may stumble upon this broadcast later today, next month, uh, later on, and maybe a year, Father God, I just pray that if they don't know you, Father God, let them sense as I begin to speak this morning, as I've spoken even thus so far, that they'll begin to hear and sense and feel the presence of the almighty God with them. Let them feel the loving embrace of your arms holding them. Let them feel the care and the love that you have for them. Father God, let them know that they are not alone. They are not abandoned. Help them to understand that the lies that they've heard about themselves are not true. Help husbands love their wives and wives respect their husbands. Father God, let children be obedient to their parents. Let parents be parents and not friends. Father God, let employers treat their their employees well. Let the employees go to work and work with integrity. Father God, let the people and the body of Christ begin to operate and function in unity. Father God, let us work the word. Let us walk out what we say we believe. Let us walk out what we say we believe in the word of God. Stand on it and honor it, Father God. And let us 
come to you boldly. Let us submit to you humbly, Father God, for who you are. And in this holiday season, Father God, let us not forget that if it were not for you, there would be no Christmas season. We're celebrating the Christmas season, the birth of Christ, though we don't know when the day actually was. Father God, we celebrate the fact that you were born so that you could die, so that we could have everlasting life. Help people to understand that it's not about taking the Christ out of Christmas, because if there there was no Christ in Christmas, we would not have this season. So, Father God, let us all keep it into perspective. Let us all understand that if we don't want to serve you, you give us that option. You give us that choice. But for those of us that do, let us boldly proclaim who you are. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, guys, it's been a little bit. Things have been crazy. We've had a lot of changes. We were growing and things are going on here at the Process 319. And I really want to continue to bring you um, encouragement, you know, encouragement and practicality in the Word of God. The Word of God is very, very practical. It's are deep revelations, but it's not so to the point that we cannot live. This book is a living book. It is for the believer. It is not written for the unbeliever. Um, They can come to know it, but it is written. It's the promises. It's 66 love letters from God, you know, and we understand that um, there's uh, encouragement here. Um, the last time that we left off, we were talking about the book of James, and we were we ended up right about verse 10, and it's really where I want to um, uh, go back and, and start from um, today because it, it's, it's important, especially when we're, you know, listening to things on the about the election and we're in this uh, economy that seems to be not doing as well as folks want us to believe that it's doing, um, so to speak. And uh, we hear a lot about those that are wealthy and those that are not and um, how they are, how they should be. And and then we're going to go on into, um, you know, how our lives should be. So I want to just take some time and I want to go in and um, read um, James uh, chapter 1 verse 10 through 27, reading from the Amplified Version uh, version of my Bible. And the rich person ought to glory in being humbled by being shown his frailty, because like the flower of the grass, he will pass. For the sun comes up with a scorching heat and parches the grass, its flowers falls off and its beauty fades away. Even so will the rich man wither and die in the midst of his pursuits. Blessed, happy to be envied is a man who is patient under trial and stands under temptation. For when he has stood the test and been proved, he will receive the victor's crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted from God, for God is incapable of being tempted by what is evil, and he himself tempts no one. Every But every person is tempted when he is drawn away, enticed, and baited by his own 
evil desire, lust, passion. Then the evil desire, when it has been conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully matured, brings forth death. Do not be misled by the by beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect, free, full gift is from above. It comes down from the Father of all that gives light in the shining of of horn. Of whom, I'm sorry, there can be no variation, rising or setting, or shadow cast by his turning as an eclipse. And it was of his own free will that he gave us birth as sons by his word of truth, so that we should be a kind of first fruit of his creatures, a sample of what he created to be consecrated to himself. Understand this, my beloved brethren, let every man be quick to hear, a ready listener, slow to speak, slow to take offense, and to get angry. For man's anger does not promote the righteousness God wishes and requires. So get rid of all uncleanness and the rampant outgrowth of wickedness, and in a humble, gentle, modest spirit, Receive and welcome the word, which implanted and rooted in your hearts contains the power to save your souls. Be doers of the word. Obey the message, not merely listeners, and train yourselves in deception by reasoning contrary to the truth. For if anyone only listens to the word without obeying it and being a doer of it, He is like a man who looks carefully at his own natural face in a mirror, for he thoughtfully observes himself and then goes off and promptly forgets what he has liked. But he who looks carefully into the the faultless law, the law of liberty, and is faithful to it and preserves being not a heedless listener, forgets and an active doer who obeys. He shall be blessed in his doing, his life of obedience. If anyone thinks himself to be religious, piously observant of the external duties of his faith and does not bridle his tongue, but deludes his own heart, this person's religious service is worthless, futile, barren. External religious worship Religion, as it is expressed in outward acts, that is pure and unblemished in the sight of God, the Father, is this, to visit and help and care for the orphans and widows to end their affliction and need and keep oneself unspotted and uncontaminated from the world. I like that part, you know. It's not just what we do on the outside. Uh, It's keeping ourselves unspotted. It's taking care of those who are less than us. So we haven't got that. I don't want to start with the end and go to the beginning. Um, Just going back um, to two verses uh, 10 uh, through 11. So we had talked about some things before. And I just wanted to be clear that there's nothing wrong with having wealth. But um, we need to understand that even if we're poor financially, if we don't understand 
and view it from a different perspective of what God sees it as, then we get um, off thinking that the rich people are, you know, they're just going to hell. And, you know, if I don't have anything, I have a better chance of being close to God. May it never be, you know, um, because you can then wear that poverty mentality as a as a badge of honor, and that's not what God wants us to do. So here's kind of how we want to really begin uh, to, to look at that. Um, uh, it says here, looking at verses 9 through 11, we want to understand that the mindset is really that if we do not have, if we're not those that walk around in you know, extreme wealth, and that could be um, – different depending on what kind of uh, environment that you're in. Now, you can be in an environment where you're making, you know, dollars $70,000 a, a year with those who don't make nearly as much. You know, I know I've been at churches where it's been a very poor environment, but several of the people might make dollars $70,000 a year, and they're like woo woo wealthy, but then you go to another community, and that sixty or seventy means nothing because the people that go to that church might make you know half a million or quarter million, you know. So we don't want to judge people by their wealth, but either way, rich or poor, we always keep our mind on God. Whatever the social or economic position that we are in, um, the believer must see. Uh, eternal advantages. In other words, we must see our position from an eternal perspective. You see, um, if we don't have, um, we are humbled by what we go through. In in other words, if I don't have a lot, I'm going to still operate in humility because I understand that God is the one that provides for me and and takes care of me. He's my provider. He's my sustainer. He's my all in all. Okay, but if you are one that has wealth, you understand that your wealth cannot go with you. You understand that your wealth, it does not prop you up. Your wealth is not your strength. Jesus is God is the joy of the Lord becomes your strength. You're looking at your eternal, your eternal position in Christ. Your um, if you. Uh, were the president of the United States. Let's use that example. And we still have living presidents now that are in wheelchairs. Um, Their health is failing them. They may still have a title of president, but they don't have nearly the influence. They don't have the power that they had once before physically and positionally because they're no longer in the position and physically their bodies are failing them. So we never want to rely on our prominence and what we do. If anything, we are humbling ourselves, understanding that we're still frail, understanding that we still need God. The only thing that we're going to do with that uh, with the wealth is that we want to be able to leave a legacy for our children, a legacy of faith, a legacy of working our faith, a legacy of working hard in the natural, a legacy of working the word in our lives through trials that we've gone through. You see, so it's never to throw the rich man under the bus and for the the, the poor man financially to boast, you know, as, as in being closer to God because they don't have any money. I don't know about you, but not having any money is nothing to glory about. 
you can't pay your bills. You're wondering where the next meal is coming from. Now, mind you, you're trusting God, but it's never a place that we need to be. We learn that in the book of Matthew when God tells us that, you know, we can seek ye first the kingdom of God and all the righteousness are added. All these things will be added unto us. We learn it in the word of God when it says, oh, ye of little faith, when we begin to worry how we're going to take care of ourselves. But when you don't have enough, you can't help anybody else. And I find that too many people are only, oh, I only want enough for me. You're selfish. You should never want only enough for you. You should want enough for you, your family, your family's family, your your children, your children's children. And you should want to have enough to be able to help and give other people. If you don't have anything, how can you give? And if you cannot give, how can you work out faith? How can you do what the word said when it was just saying to us at the latter verses of that particular chapter to take care of the orphan and the widow? How can you take care of the homeless? How can you sow in? Can you, if God says, build a ministry? If you are not thinking eternally, thinking eternally, eternally is God. He is our all in all. We need him whether we have or whether we have a little or whether we have abundance of. And then as we're going through the um, the, the trials, and then he jumps over and we go down to verse 12, which talks about um, blessed and, and happy to be envied. Well, first of all, are we living a life that should be envied? I mean, do people look at our lives as Christians Why and, and envy? And want what we have? Or are we walking around with a boo-boo face all the time, barely making it, whining, talking about, oh, I love Jesus, God is good to me. But then in the next breath, you're whining because you don't know how you're going to make your rent. You don't know if you're going to have enough to eat. You should not be happy just being on disability. You should not be happy just making minimum wage and getting by. You should be seeking wisdom. Okay, God, your word said that you came to give me life and life more abundantly. How can I live in that abundant life? What's your plan for me to be in that abundant life? How do we work this thing out? So then we go on and it says, finally, ask of wisdom. You must be steadfast and infused with love. Why are we infused with love? Because the Bible says perfect love casts out fear. If we are infused with love, we are infused with God. We're infused with God. Think of a um, uh, an IV. They're infusing you with fluids. Why? To hydrate you? To uh, give you antibiotics? To give you life? We should be infused with love. God blesses someone who preserves under trial. You know, I don't know about you, but sometimes the trial makes you want to break. But when we can be infused in love, that means we're infused, we're holding on to, we're walking in the love of God, meaning that he's not going to leave us or forsake us. He did not come to leave us where we are. He did not come to... um, He came to give us life and life more abundantly. So now we're holding on. We're infused. We're living out of what God is in our life. We're living out of what the Holy Spirit is on the inside of us. And we're standing. And God blesses the person that can persevere, that can go through trial. You see, um, 
when, when we look at trials and testing, we have to remember when Jesus was tempted in the garden for 40 days and you know, had fasted for 40 days, 40 nights, and he was in the garden and, and the enemy tempted him. The reason that the enemy tried to, he said he was tempted of who? The devil. God didn't come and tempt him. God didn't bring him things and say, hey, you know, do this. No, no, no. But what happened next week, what happened was the reason Jesus could not be tempted and bought into the the, the um the, the tactic that the enemy was trying to use is because he understood what the word of God said. And those things that he was being tempted with were not in him. If you're a liar and somebody wants you to lie, you'll lie. If you're a cheater and somebody wants you to cheat, all you need is the right opportunity. And look at what Satan did. He tried to get Jesus in the right opportunity. So what do we want to do? We want to understand. No, no, no. I'm going to be infused in love. I'm infused in love. And if I'm not infused in love, let me spend time in the word of God and become infused in love. Read everything you can. It's intentional that we do. God loved us. Christ loved us with an intentional love. It would have to be intentional to go through what he went through. I hope you guys enjoy it. You know, time always goes so fast when we really begin to dive into the word and practically live this thing out. Stay encouraged. Let me know how you enjoy this show. Hit me up on Facebook on the Process 319 Unleashed. Begin to look forward to some great things coming in 2016. And I look forward to seeing you guys on the show on Tuesday. We have an awesome guest. Have a great day, guys. Love you. Stepping out of bondage and grabbing hold of God's promise. Circumstances can't stop.